0: Welcome to the Alabama Literacy Networks podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy in the state of Alabama. We represent various groups working on literacy in the state. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for the citizens of Alabama. This podcast was brought to you by Bright Spot Ed, LLC, an educational consulting company based in Alabama, providing consulting, professional learning, evaluation services, and resources. Our goal is to highlight the good and replicate it across education. Check us out at brightspoted.com. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Bell Smith. Today, we will be talking to the fabulous Ms. Hetty Johnson, She received degrees in speech language pathology from both Auburn University and the University of Montevallo. She has served on the faculty of several universities in the state and has been in private practice since 1980. She was on the staff at the Alabama Scottish Rite Learning Centers and has earned numerous awards for continuing education from the American Speech Language Hearing Association for Outstanding Continuous Education Achievement. She developed the Amygdala Spa Strategies in 2012 to reduce brain shutdown, which she has presented at national and international conferences. If you've ever had the good fortune of meeting her, you know she is pure joy and positivity and she inspires me every time I'm around her. And when I'm struggling with something hard, I can hear her voice saying, I can do it. Welcome, Hetty Johnson. Thank you for being here today.
1: Oh boy, thank you for having me. This is my favorite subject, as you might know, and I love that I can talk with you today.
0: We're super excited to have you. I know that you are a speech-language pathologist by training, but you've really moved so far past that in what you've done with children and parents. Can you tell us how that work evolved, especially including students with dyslexia and other reading difficulties?
1: Yes, I became a speech pathologist in 1970 when I graduated from Auburn. And so that's 50 years, almost 51 51 years now, which is just crazy and so wonderful. When I think back, I actually started my first private practice in 1974. And that was when, because I was teaching at Montevallo after when I got my master's, taught at Montevallo for a couple of years. And then my husband was with Alabama Power and got transferred to Gadsden. I, and I couldn't find a job, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll start in private practice. And I was like, you know, twenty-four maybe, and and it's been so exciting ever since then. And one of my first students was severely unintelligible and had had therapy before, and and I could see that what I had been taught in school and what I had been teaching in the university was not really working so well. And anyway, so I used the science. I think everything that I do. It's based on the science that's so crucial to have from, like I graduated, you know, magna cum laude. Uh, My husband said he graduated, thank the (laughs) laude. And, but so I, you know, I knew the stuff. I learned, I studied, I was a real student of the science behind and that allowed me and, and with the spa and swag that science undergirds everything. It's not like I'm pulling ideas out of the air. I've got it based on science, but I could see that for these unintelligible kids, they needed something different. And so it was based on the science of auditory processing and and it works so beautifully. And then with Spa and Swag Now, the same idea, it's based on science and neurology and it's taking what I know and applying it to what I see is needed to to look at the whole child, which I've always been so into looking the whole child, the whole family, and what concrete thing can I do to make this better, to help it. And it's something real based on science. Fast forward, I was a speech path by, by 2000. I'd been a speech path 30 years doing this and did not know anything about dyslexia. In fact, I had been taught it didn't exist. I taught graduate school in Gadsden at the Extension Center about special education and a special child, and I had knew nothing about dyslexia. It was taught to me that it was just a wastebasket term and that it wasn't real. And so I didn't know anything for 30 years. Uh, in 2000, we moved, again, from Mobile, where we were, to back to Birmingham, where I grew up. And Denise Gibbs was Scottish Right said, Hedy, since you're, you know, since you're starting over again, that was my fifth private practice to start around the state. And Denise said, since you're starting over, what if you work with me in Scottish Rite a little bit and, and find out about dyslexia and see what you think and that we would love to be able to refer to you if this is something you like. It was like a love story from then on. And then I took Orton Gillingham training and lots of training lots and lots of training over the years and practicums of teaching with people observing me and teaching me to make sure I did it the specific ways that this careful, careful teaching must be to help dyslexic children. It took everything I knew as a speech path for 30 years and honed it like a laser. Careful Orton-Gillingham teaching, it was like it took everything I knew and laser-focused it and That's kind of what's happened to me ever since then. I was already obsessed. (laughs) And now it's just so real what we can do. And it's so life-changing.
0: Life-changing is exactly right. So you mentioned spa and swag, and that's one of the first things I learned from you. Can you explain to our listeners what this is and how it works?
1: Yes. It was 2012 when it's like this approach just crystallized in my brain all at once. And so at that point, I'd been a speech path 42 years. But so 42 years, I'd been doing strategies. And in my head, I was just in the car, Bill was driving. And all of a sudden, in my brain, I just heard, you do all these strategies, but if they're shut down, nothing works. You just get a flash in your brain. At that moment, It came in my brain, spa. One of my students did this picture of a brain relaxing in a hot tub and it's like a spa for your brain. And so in my brain, it came up self-talk and it was then positive mistake correction. But since in the past year, I've I've changed the P to point out only what's right because that's so much more descriptive of what we're really doing. So self-talk, point out only what's right, and advocate for yourself. That is the spa. And what it's all based on, again, is the neurology where you hear and talking and hearing lights those part up of your brain, the temporal lobes and the seeing part, the occipital lobes, when you're seeing, lights them up. And the top of the brain, the parietal lobes, like the crown, where touching and moving lights up those parts of your brain, which makes like this magic triangle, which we call swag, which means multi-sensory is just not as cool of a word as swag, swag being study with all gears, like getting all those parts of your brain working together. That's the swag part, to use them all together. Donald Hebb, who was a psychologist, he published this back in the 50s. It's now known as Hebb's Law, that neurons that fire together, wire together. And so that's why it works. That's why swag works. So it undergirds spa in that SPA, what we wanted to happen is dopamine release in the brain. The front of your brain, if you touch your forehead, if you touch starting behind your eyes and your hand goes straight up, that's the prefrontal cortex where all thinking, this is like really important, all thinking takes place there. What's called executive functions, this front of your brain is the CEO of your brain or the conductor of the orchestra, because it's what plans and organizes and keeps you motivated and remembers and focuses. I mean, do we need more focus? And memory is that information has to go. When that information comes into your brain through the senses, it has to be checked out by a watchdog in your brain. This is the most crucial part, the amygdala, which is the watchdog in your brain. It's the fear center of your brain for everything in life. And it's what, if that that amygdala, you've got two of them. If you went in through your eyes and in above your ears, where your fingers would meet in the middle of your brain, that's where the amygdalas are. And they're in the emotional core of your brain called the limbic system. Those two amygdalas, are in there like watchdogs. The amygdalas are in there to check out everything that comes in through the senses. And the whole thing about spies, if we can keep our amygdalas reassured that this is okay, that I can do this, then the amygdala will immediately, I'm calling it like amygdala, but there are two of them. And But in the literature, they seem to always, they pretty much call them the amygdala. It's like the system, but there are two of them. That the amygdala, if we reassure the amygdala that this is okay i can do this they will immediately send that information and blood flow and extra oxygen and nutrients to the prefrontal cortex which is the ceo at the front again where the thinking happens and then that information will immediately go to the hippocampus which that's the hippocampus like a hippo and a campus and that hippocampus is in is right next to your amygdalas on both both sides. They work in tandem to help you. The hippocampus, especially with the memory. So do you want more memory? This is what will happen. And the amygdalas are a filter also that will immediately pump your brain full of dopamine and other chemicals that give you joy. I mean, who, does anybody want joy? It's a burst of joy and it's memory chips. I mean, does anyone out there need more memory? It's like free if you get dopamine. If the amygdala is happy, it's gonna pump out dopamine and it's free and no bad side effects. So swag undergirds spa because swag, jumping and moving and doing what you love, automatically releases dopamine also and all of this comes from a wonderful book called learning to love math by neurologist judy willis you could watch just google judy willis and amygdala or judy willis anxiety and she's a neurologist was practiced for 15 years but then could see how much students were anxious and that they were not being taught in a brain friendly manner. And so her book is all about like learning to love math, but really it's really learning to love learning. And it's all about the amygdala and the things I've just said. I mean, those some of those are like direct quotes of her saying that if the amygdala thinks it's gonna be embarrassing, like how many of our students are afraid they're going to be embarrassed, or bored, if the amygdala just gets the notion that somebody else—that my parent, my mom, my dad, my teacher—if that gets the notion that they are maybe frustrated with me, it's a paradigm shift. Spa is a paradigm shift. It depends on us as the parents and the teachers, and you know everybody in this student. This if there's an anxious student, I mean. I like to tell my students it's normal to be anxious because isn't it? I mean, does not everybody have anxiety? And especially with all this with going on in our world now, if somebody's not anxious, they don't know what's going on. It's normal to be anxious. However, the way we talk to our brain, which is where the spa comes in, self-talk, and how our parents and our teachers talk to us to point out only what's right that. Those are the undergirding of getting the dopamine to flood your brain. That's the key. So like Judy Willis says in her book, if you link fun and activities, movement, swag with learning and with what you love, like you could play basketball while you're yelling out your your work, or you could be drawing, doodling, dancing, playing with Play-Doh. Anything doing soccer, I like to throw paper plates with write my work on it, write what we're learning, and throw them. And it could be chemistry, it could be first grade, it could be kindergarten, it could be medical school and law school. And I always do this. I do it in one session, about a two-hour session. Well, I might have them all day because I might test them for you know for dyslexia or other issues as part of the whole day. So the parents, both parents are here maybe a teacher, maybe a grandparent, you know, they're here together because it's the whole constellation that has to know this. We cannot just teach it to the child and go with it. They're going to be undermined because we have to all have this in our head. The shutdown when the amygdala senses, if the amygdala, we said about the good thing, if the amygdala thinks this is going to be okay because we're telling our brain I can, and our parents and are being supportive and and supporting that you can do this, you can. It's not just happy talk, but it's actually reassuring your amygdala to give you the dopamine and joy and you're on this fabulous track of win win but the opposite is lose lose i mean how many of you want lose lose instead so if the amygdala checks out this information and your self talk or you know, anybody is making you anxious and thinking oh my gosh this is boring oh my this is hard for me oh my gosh i'm going to be the last one to finish this test look everybody's going to see that i'm not finished the amygdala will immediately crash you down and send you into fight, flight, or freeze and flood your brain with stress chemicals like cortisol, which make it this deadly cycle that goes from bad to worse. I mean, has anybody ever seen that happen with yourself or a child when it turns into a panic attack? I mean, how much are you learning in a panic attack? And it's because... That amygdala is just doing its job. Its job is to protect you. And it is going to protect you by shutting you down. But we can help the amygdala by reassuring it, to reassure it, just like we would reassure if, if our dog, if we have a dog, a watchdog, and it's barking and going crazy and you know it's really not dangerous that we would try to calm that dog down. And that's what we have to do to our amygdala because we have to override that negative voice. We have to override it. And and I really think out loud, you know, when you can do it out loud is important to say, I'm okay. I can do this. And so funny, a funny story, a five-year-old who was afraid to poop. Okay, which is kind of maybe inappropriate, may get cut out. (laughs) But he was afraid of flooding and water. And and he was just it was terrible. You can imagine if your five year old would not go to the bathroom for days and days and days. It's not good for their mood. It's not good for anything. And it was terrible. And I the five year old and I did this. And but we were singing. I love to poop every day. (laughs) We're singing, singing. And in the middle of this, he said. I have to go to the bathroom.
0: (laughs) And he went
1: and he came back within just very few minutes, whereas it was where he would be trying for an hour and couldn't and just crying. But his amygdala was so shut down. It was shutting down his body. I mean, this isn't just your learning, it's everything. And so he came back and he said, he said, that's never happened. He said, it came right out, (laughs) which is pretty funny. But Amazing, And I've done this with kids with five and six year olds who were who were good baseball players or football players, but they were freezing up in the game and blowing it because of their amygdala and their self-talk was saying, I can't, I can't. And I did it with like this particular one of these five girls and and he went back to hitting home runs and winning the games. And a year later, he again won a game with his home run as a six-year-old. And the mother said to him, she texted me right afterwards because she was so excited. She said, she said I said to him, what, how did you do that, son? And he's six. And he said, well, mom, he said, I told my brain, I got this. And he hit the home run. And the mom said, son, do you realize that you use positive self-talk on your brain? And he looked at her kind of funny and he said, isn't that what Miss Hetty said to do? <laughs> That's which right. It's so funny. And they've been a year. So it's not just, it's for everything in our life. I want this for everybody to teach it. It's, it's not about me, but these strategies are real and they're based on, it's only you're teaching them the neurology of how to help yourself when, when full of dopamine, which is the magic key versus shutdown.
0: I was thinking as you were talking, you're going to have all of these people calling you going, hey, my kid needs help with a range of things. The whole uh, going to the bathroom example cracks me up, but it's really indicative of how impactful the fight, flight, or freeze syndrome is with the amygdala. And so I think if people can relate to any number of issues that they have, when they get into these situations and especially their kids have and especially because a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are working with struggling readers and we know that this is so stressful for kids when they're looking at a page and it doesn't come to them easily they're having to to do extra processing steps to make sense of it it makes perfect sense to me that this can really stress them out and shut them down
1: Yes. yes, and it's again, yeah. With with all the emotion, all my emotion taken out of it, it's just the neurology. I think I know anybody that doesn't need help? <laughs> I mean, but we hide it. We can hide it. But talking to ourselves is so important. Oh, and the P of spa about point out only what's right. Point out only what's right. But that's so important. An example like a sixteen-year-old girl who we were working, and she saw the word invitation, but she read it invention. And so instead of like typically, we might say, "Well, no, check." But I just said, oh, "You got the beginning and the ending right. Now let's check the middle of that word." And teach them how to advocate. And that's, I think we're good at that anyway. But to teach them, they have the right to ask for what they need. If somebody's shutting, if a teacher is making them shut down, not, and the teacher's not trying to, I'm so not blaming it on them. The teacher is only trying to help. But for the student to say something like, you know, I want to do my best in your class, and it would just help me to not be anxious if I knew you weren't going to call on me to read out loud or to call on me unless I raise my hand. And to tell the teacher, I promise I will raise my hand, but if you can just reassure me that, that I'm not going to be embarrassed by being called on, you know, whatever it takes or to ask the teacher to say, I really think if I just could have a little extra time, I could do this. Or So I think all that is just so important. You
0: know that I'm a huge fan of swag, which I've used with my own children. Can you explain swag and how it can help anyone who is trying to learn something?
1: Yes. The idea of a student that we, we were doing a program at Auburn where we were hiring graduate assistants to teach these strategies. And our first graduate student, um, Matthew Paul Cowley, he made up the term swag because, you know, to go into these college classes and say we're going to do multisensory didn't seem cool. But swag was very cool. And so he made it up. Study with all gears being that magic triangle in your brain of seeing and hearing and touching and moving, which connect the occipital lobes in the back with the temporal lobes above your ears, with the parietal lobes on the top crown of your head, that that magic triangle of studying with using all of them at the same time, that is what causes those neurons that fire together throughout your brain wire together to help you to learn. So that's the basis. And so what I tell my people, it's not, you know, that could sound like, oh my gosh, how do I make that happen? You just make it happen by playing while you yell out what you're studying. I mean, hopefully yell it out. I know they can't always, but at least say it at some level so that you're using, you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you're saying it, which is kind of connected there, and you're touching and moving. So you could be playing basketball, you could be playing soccer, you could be dancing, you could be doing gymnastics, jumping rope, working out, you know, playing with Play-Doh, drawing. It's whatever to put whatever you love to do with what you're learning, because then your brain is flooded with dopamine, which again is joy and memory chips. And I didn't say this, that that enables the amygdala being happy, enables all the executive functions of your brain, which either you have, it's like a light switch. If your amygdala is happy, I like to say if the amygdala ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And so if that amygdala is happy and feels safe, it gives you that burst of joy, that burst of memory, and all the executive functions. You suddenly you have focus motivation, your memory, and without them, you're sunk. And so the opposite is no good. So swag, it can be just anything that gets everything moving. Like I love, I have a big exercise ball that I like to lie down on my stomach on the floor, (laughs) but you don't have to, but the the more you do something crazy that I want your brain to be thinking, what? That, you've never done that before. I want your brain thinking. What are you thinking? Because then the brain is going to get it, and so it will be so much more fun. So I lie down on the with my belly on the on this big exercise ball, and with maybe flashcards color coded with several places all around on the floor in front of me, and I'm going to be manipulating those while I call them out. Maybe I'm working on Latin roots and their meanings. Like if I would have rupt. And I'm going to take my hand and pull that card over and say rupt to break. And get that card that says to break and oh rupture, oh like I broke my eardrum, rupture or ruptured appendix or erupt. Oh my gosh, pulling them all together, manipulating what you're learning and yelling it out. And then maybe I will throw those cards in the air and say, eruption. And but to do it with any subject. It could be chemistry, you know, it could be like K, potassium, heart function, woo! And Whatever could you know, it could be anything, but that's swag, and it, it's the key to life because it's the key to dopamine, swag support, spa. It's all one big happy family,
0: it's all one happy brain, anyway.
1: <laughs> yes, and without that happy brain, you're in big trouble. And I like to tell my students, I like to say, Who is in the driver's seat of your brain? And they look a little, and I say, Isn't it you? And they say, Yes, and I say, Well, who can talk to your brain? Oh, I can. We can make this happen. And I so much, I just always am so afraid people will just think this is just like, oh, happy talk. But it's not. It's how your brain is meant to work. The amygdala is going to do its job. So if it thinks you're in trouble, you certainly are in trouble. It's a light switch about this win, win, lose, lose. But it's a light switch either on and you've got superpowers or off and you're in some kind of panic and we can control. It's a mechanical thing. I don't mean to act like it's easy. It's not necessarily easy. We truly can change it. Things like a parent that wrote me just a week or two after I'd seen her 13-year-old son. And she said that I find that pointing out what's right works wonders.
0: I think of you all the time when I'm doing push-ups or trying to uh, open a jar. And I always think, I can do it. Hetty says <laughs> I can. And That is exactly what we want to communicate to our students and our children is that they can do this. And so that is a gift that you have definitely given me. Where can people find resources about spa and swag from
1: you? Some books like Judy Willis' book of Learning to Love Math, because it's really learning to love learning, and it is the neurology. It is the neurology of this and watching some of her videos. Oh, yeah, love builds brains. But Love Builds Brains, published 2020 by Jean Clinton, J-E-A-N, a Canadian child psychiatrist, a woman, and it's so wonderful. And I've just poured through it. And it's and it is like spa. And I and you can watch her do videos. She has some videos just to watch her, but that book is a wonderful one. But unfortunately, I haven't published spa, but they could watch, I have a number of of these online, Google Hetty Johnson spa strategies. They get that 2018 one that if they Google Hetty Johnson anxiety and learning, they could watch that I gave this back at the beginning of COVID. You just have to understand that this is the way your brain is made and go with it. And either you can help it, or you can hurt it by your own self-talk, and you have that power to overcome that little voice.
0: Katie, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate what you've done for me personally, what you've done for families, and especially children.
1: Thank you for having me. This was fun.
0: It was fun. Join us again next week for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network Podcast.